When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. It is Purple Daily on the all-new Score North on 1500scorenorth.com and streaming live on scorenorth.com, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. It's the only place where you're going to get Five days a week, Vikings, NFL, and football talk. I'm Rami Makloff, Judd Zolgad sitting opposite me. Got Manny Hill on the other side of the glass and uh, kicking off the show this afternoon with a visit from a former Vikings quarterback live from the scouting combine in Indy. It is Sage Rosenfeld. Sage, how are you this afternoon, man? I'm doing great, guys. Just came off uh, about 30 minutes ago or so. Rick Spielman was on the podium uh, talking about this year's, you know, this year's team and, and some of the things they're looking at uh, here with the combine uh, here in Indy. So uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a fun day so far. I've been interviewing and talking to a lot of different people. And it really is amazing that the, the NFL Combine is is truly like the convention of the NFL. You see everybody here from equipment managers to coaches. Uh, uh, video guys, uh, trainers, you, you, really the entire league ownership, front office people, everybody is here, and it's amazing. Uh, in such a small space, you can you run to, you run into pretty much everybody uh, if you're just looking around and trying to collect some information. And, and so, Sage, news uh, comes out today that uh, Zim actually, uh, according to Rick, has had the option on his contract picked up uh, for 2020. That does not come as a surprise. What surprised me is that there was a report during the course of this past year that uh, the last year of Mike's contract was going to be 2019. And I thought to myself, in this league, that's rare. So it does not surprise me that there was an option contained in that contract and that the Vikings picked it up. Your thoughts on that bit of news today? Well, yeah, I think it's it's never a good thing. Uh, and it seems to be sort of the, the thing that almost every team does is not allow a coach to go into the last year of his contract. And, you know, they seem to like to do that on players. It's not a big deal with players so much. Correct. Because uh, they're a little more expendable. But coaches, uh, they usually, it's sort of, I don't know if it's a respect thing or what, but, you know, usually you don't let those guys go into the last year of your contract. I think we saw Chuck Pagano uh, do it a couple years ago. It was a weird situation. He ended up getting that contract extension. But, yeah, I think it's a really good move by the Vikings to get uh, Zimmer one more year and then shoot. Hopefully they have a really good 2019 uh, and they can add three or four more years onto that. Does that necessarily give him any more uh, security, though, in terms of what he has to do this year? It seems to me more procedural than anything. The Packers did this with Mike McCarthy before last season, and he was out in Week 12 or Week 13. Does this really give a coach more security, or is this just the old, we can't let him go into the season as a lame duck? 
Yeah, I think exactly what you said there. With the, I think it's more procedural in the sense of you just don't let a coach that you do like go into the last year of his contract and not have some sort of extension. It doesn't mean Zimmer can be fired after week five. You know, uh, you know, this upcoming year. Should we saw that with Brad Childress uh, when I was in two thousand nine? He gets that extension late in the season, and next year he's out halfway through the year. So you know, the extension doesn't really mean a lot. Other than that, you know, obviously the coach gets one more year of security, uh, and I, I believe it's sort of one of those, uh, you know, st- rubber stamps of approval of, you know, this is our guy. We do have faith in him. We think he's going to be guy, the guy going forward. Let's add another year onto his contract. What, what else have you gleaned from what uh, Rick said at his press conferences today, Sage? Well, you know, he talked about you know, offensive line play. I found that interesting. You know, I've, and it, of course, he's not going to go into the details of, of the players currently on the roster. He's not going to go into the details of all the guys they're looking at here at the combine. And, you know, these first couple of days really are running back and offensive line heavy, the quarterbacks and receivers a little bit later in the week. Uh, but he talked about the style of the offensive line play. And, and really, we're talking about this sort of this new Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak. Uh, offense that they're that they're about to you know install and run. Uh, he's talking about linemen that are less you know come off the ball uh, and sort of plow forward, and more of these guys that can you know, really run laterally. You know that Kubiak style of offense, that zone running scheme, a lot of outside zone, a lot of stretch runs, but what they call them. And there's it's, it's again it's less sort of running downhill uh, at the defensive linemen, defensive ends, and linebackers, and more running laterally and get that defense to try to run and end up getting out of a gap, and that's where those big runs you know hit. So I think. They're looking. They're looking at linemen differently. Again, not always about the, the strength and the power. Right. But really, how these guys move, not just to get up the field, but more laterally. So I think that's a that's something different. Something that he's probably you know learning about. You know, kind of talking to you know, you know Gary Kubiak. Uh, you know about what type of lineman does he look for. I mean, there's a long history uh, in that. You know, that Broncos, Texans. Uh, uh, you know, then again back to the Broncos. Uh, style of, uh, of offensive line play where they like smaller guys, you know, guys that are under 300 pounds. You know, most NFL offensive linemen now are 300, 310, 320, 330. Mm-hmm. They like the guys that are 285, 290, but that can really move, that can they really run uh, and really work together. So you're know, looking for a little bit different style of offensive linemen in this draft and free agency. So, Sage, in, in your mind, of, of the uh, current starters on that line from 2018, who do you think uh, would, would be a good fit for what the scheme is going to be as opposed to, to guys that might have struggled a bit in what the scheme was this past year? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I don't know. That's a good question. You know, I, I think that they have some guys there that they're going to try to find a mix. They're going to try to find some chemistry, and they might move some guys that were at tackle down to guard or and move guys around. I've been in this style of offense before, uh, and, you know, when I, was, uh, when I left Houston, that name Wade Smith came to Houston as an offensive lineman. I actually played with Wade and with the Miami Dolphins. We drafted him as sort of an undersized left tackle. Well, he gets to Houston. Kubiak puts him at guard. Arian Foster runs for a gazillion yards, and Andre Johnson's catching a ton of passes, and Matt Schaub's going to the Pro Bowl. Wade Smith goes to the Pro Bowl. This is sort of a journeyman tackle guard uh, in the NFL, ends up going to the Pro Bowl in this system. So I think it's all about finding the, the right guys and the right chemistry, uh, and you move these guys around. But I tell you what, they're not going to have an offensive line uh, that are just big guys that don't move well. He wants guys that can run that are athletic. Uh, he takes those 295-pound guys or those 330-pound guys pretty regularly.
Talking with Sage Rosenfels live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indy here on Purple Daily on the all-new Score North. Obviously, offensive line is a hole for this team. Where else do you think they might be looking to uh, address some some deficiencies in the in the draft and, and position groups that they'll have an eye on at the Combine this week, Sage? Well, it, it, this is, they think, one of the best defensive line groups in, in recent uh, memory at the Combine and for the draft this year. Uh, there's tons of really good defense linemen. There might be some good value there, and not just in the first round. We're talking, you know, second, third round. I, I think Clemson might have like four drafted defensive linemen uh, in the first two days of the draft, right? So there's a lot of good players in that position. You know, that the Sheldon Richardson contract. You know, we don't know where that's going to end up if they're going to try to resign him or what the deal is there. But I imagine they'll not just sign offensive linemen, but also you know try to find and draft maybe a defensive lineman or two. Uh, I think a, a tight end. Uh, you know, possibly a uh, more of a vertical threat tight end would be huge uh, for this team. I, you know, the, Rudy's just not a guy who really stretches the field vertically. He's great, uh, I believe, from you know ten yards and under. And, and red zone, he, he's probably a top five tight end in the league. I think he's still a quality blocker. There's a lot of value he can add to this football team, but they really do need that third threat. Uh, you know, down the middle of the field to you know to to keep that one on one coverage outside with. Uh, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. So I, I see tight end. Obviously, Iowa has this kid that they people absolutely love at this draft. I don't think he's going to be even around uh, when the Vikings pick, but there's some good tight ends in this draft as well. And, and, and again, Kubiak has found value in the past when I was with him. Owen Daniels was an excellent tight end with us uh, uh, with the Houston Texans. He ended up with the Denver Broncos at the end of his career won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, but he was a fourth-round tight end uh, in Houston, actually played quarterback at Wisconsin. So uh, they might find that second tight end or even maybe a future starter a little bit somewhere later in the draft. So, Sage, is Stefanski going to be Kubiak's boss, or or how does this work? Because clearly Gary comes in with an, an assistant head coach title and advisor role. He's been around uh, for a long time and is a great resource for Kevin to uh, to tap into. But how do you think the dynamics of that work? Well, Kevin Stefanski is a coordinator. Uh, I firmly believe that. He's going to be the guy running the show, making the final decisions. He's going to be the guy calling the plays. I mean, it's his offense. Uh, you know, I think as a young coach, as a young coordinator, you can never have, uh, you know, really too much experience sort of helping you out. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I really do see, you know, Gary Kupiak as, as an advisor, uh, almost a consultant, a coach that can get the fight. He's so detailed, uh, you know, with that zone running scheme and, and with that play action. Again, this is something that Kirk Cousins was sort of raised in in the NFL when he was in Washington with Mike Shanahan, with Kyle Shanahan, you know, that style of offense, shoot Sean McVay. Uh, was on that staff as well. So I think that the detail of that zone running scheme uh, and that play action and the bootleg stuff, that is going to be you know little things that probably you know, Stefanski hasn't learned in the past uh, that they could really add to this offense. So uh, the great thing about it is, and I've worked with Kevin, I've known Kevin for a long time. Again, he was our quality control guy on that 2009 team. I know Gary Kubiak for a long time. These are two guys that have, do not have the big egos. Uh, they don't have the, the situation where this is my, uh, you know, they don't have the power play mentality. These guys are going to work very, very well together. I cannot imagine there being any sort of rift uh, or, or any sort of power play uh, with, with Kubiak wanting to be the, you know, the coordinator and being in control. This is Kevin Stefanski's offense, and I think Gary Kubiak is really excited to help out because this is a good football team, 
and they got to get the right offense going because uh, they obviously didn't have the right one at least for the first 13 games of the season last year. I was just going to say to you, Sage, with, with a guy as accomplished as Gary, as Gary Kubiak and you have Rick Dennison in there who has a lot of experience and has earned his stripes in this league, and we're talking about a first-time offensive coordinator in Stefanski, I... I I assume that egos would get in the way and there would be a power struggle or maybe a, a too many cooks in the kitchen syndrome, but it doesn't sound like you think that that will be an issue with this particular group of guys and their personalities. No, not at all. I mean, this is not like a Todd Haley, you know, Hugh Jackson situation. <laughs> that was great Haley fun, Sage. Do, which was a, right? I mean, that's like the opposite of what we're talking about here. And I listen, I, I've been... I, uh, interviewing people throughout the last couple of days here at the combine and, and, you know, Kubiak's name comes up regularly when we're talking about, you know, this Vikings offense. And it's amazing the respect that people have for him. I was talking to Mark Vandermeer, who's the voice of, uh, uh, the voice of the Houston Texans earlier. He absolutely just loves Gary Kubiak like a brother. I mean, one of the, one of the, the nicest guy, you know, sort of salt of the earth, uh, type of coach. And you don't see that in coaching college. Pros, you don't always see you know those type of men, real men uh, who you just love and respect and trust uh, on your you know, as, as coaches. There's just not a ton of them, it seems like nowadays. And and it, both he and Kevin Stefanski are those types of guys that uh, I think they're going to work really, really well together. I think they're going to be respecting both sides. And the way I sort of look at it. Uh, it's sort of like when Sean McVay went to the L.A. Rams and hired Wade Phillips to be his defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, there, you can have that great experience to a guy who's young in his position as the head coach. Well, I sort of feel like that with Kevin Stefanski, yeah, a young guy, coordinator, first-time coordinator. You know, how great of a resource is to have a veteran in the room who's been doing this thing for 30 years. What do you, do you think, Sage, that the uh, single most important thing that this offensive transformation is going to do for Cousins? I think it's going to maximize his strengths and try to minimize his weaknesses. I really do believe that's the style of offense that they're going to put in. You know, Kirk has strengths, uh, and, and he has weaknesses. And I think last year's offense with John Filippo sometimes minimized his strengths and maximized his weaknesses. And I think, uh, you know, again, having this zone scheme, having this play-action scheme, uh, you know, Kirk's going to throw more post I didn't. I don't know if I saw one, like, true post route last year. Well, when you do the play-action stuff and those safeties, uh, you know, step up to fill the, the, the run holes, you'll have shots at throwing post routes. So I think we're going to see some more of that uh, by Kirk Cousins. We're going to see more bootleg games by Kirk Cousins, getting him out of the pocket. You know, I think, you know, seven-step drops with three hitches, bad things happen in the pocket uh, for a lot of quarterbacks, and Kirk Cousins is no different. So I think they're going to get him out of the pocket uh, and get get him some completions on the edge, get get him some space. Uh, so he's not fumbling or, or you know, there, there's not catastrophes happening uh, in that pocket. Sage, I want to circle back around to uh, some contract talk, if we could. After Spielman revealed that they picked up the option on, on Zimmer for 2020, he was asked about his own contract status and, and would not talk. He said, I'm never going to talk about my situation but the rumors were, we don't know for sure, that his deal was also set to expire after the coming 2019 season. Is letting a GM go into the final season of a contract something NFL franchises like to do, or do you think there is or already has been an extension put in place for Spielman? You know, I don't know. That's a really good question. It's interesting. I was talking to a couple of media people, and I'm in this area at the convention center here in Indianapolis, and they have about six different podiums and and uh and gms are, are stepping up in, in the local media markets and national media markets and national media uh people are, are interviewing them and whatever and it's, what's amazing about gms and, and listen i know all the nfl head coaches all 32 
But GMs, I feel like I know who about a third of them are. <laughs> I just don't know who these. You know, it's like when you're a player, you know the GMs that you work for. And other than that, like it's not you know the coaches, you know the players, you know the quarterbacks, coaches, the coordinators. You don't really know the GMs and how their contracts work and what they're paid and all those things. It's like a foreign world. That's you know that's the part of the building with the guys with the ties and the and the collared shirts. You know, hang out and so uh, you know as players usually down that locker room. Uh, in, in those in those meeting rooms and things like that. So you know how GM uh, contracts work. That is really not my uh, not my strength. Combine wise, what what's the biggest fib and or lie that that you you've heard so far where you rolled your eyes and said, "Oh my gosh, no one's going to be buying this." Is is there one thing? Because there's always a few things where where teams try and put out misinformation, sage or something, and you think to yourself, "No one's going to be dumb enough to buy this." Well, from a guy that was uh, probably out a little bit too late last night, I love around a lot of people in the media. <laughs> it's never too late, Sage. Office. You're inciting. You're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what, but, but here's what I'm, I'm going to tell you. Okay. You cannot believe uh, the conversations that go on at 11 o'clock at night in the hotel you know, lobby bar. Uh, between media people and GMs and coaches and all the sort of intermixing that goes on. This is the place where, you know, deals get done. Uh, my old agent, uh, is in town. You know, he's got, uh, you know, obviously free agents or guys in the draft. So he's trying to do contract extensions or, you know, they're, they're having those conversations now. So, you know, this is sort of the, the NFL convention more than it is really the combine. So, you know, a lot of rumors start popping up and it's really this week. You know, people are trying to put out, out all sorts of, uh, you know, random information and, and, uh, and some of it real and some of it, uh, you know, some of it fake trying to get their guys the best deal. So it really is a, and, and it's, since it's not New York City or, or a Miami or Los Angeles or, you know, a really big, you know, Chicago, a huge city, Indianapolis, such a smaller, uh, sort of downtown. It's amazing how, like, this, the whole NFL world here is in about a five block radius and all the intermingling that go on. Sage, as, as you know, there is no better place to be than the Marriott Bar at 12.15 a.m. on Combine Nights. It's the great... you get GMs who won't tell you the time of day or if, or if it's sunny or cloudy outside get about three cocktails, and all of a sudden you're hearing everything. Well, I'll tell you this, and this is, uh, this is the Gary Kubiak uh, uh, advice he gave our team one time. Nothing good happens after midnight in the bar. So I was in bed last night at 11.59, uh, because I want to be prepared for today. If you're a reporter, you're you are a derelict of duty, Sage. If you're not out past twelve, <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right. Everything good happens at about twelve thirty. <laughs> well, yeah. So maybe maybe tonight. I've got one All more right. day here. One more day. Here's my last day. So I'm, I'm I have a flight back up uh, tomorrow uh, to get home. But uh, it's been a great experience for me to be here. Uh, I said to sort of see how this whole thing works. It's been since 2001 when I was actually a player at this combine. And, you know, there's definitely no drinking going on there or that much of a good time. It was very, very, it was the most important, you know, three days of my life. I sort of felt like at that time. Uh, so obviously coming up now as a media person, a completely different perspective. And it really is neat, all the inner workings and just how big this event has grown. And you really see how big the NFL is as far as, you know, media and, and the, uh, you know, the, the just you know the, the passion for uh, how important these college kids are uh, and, and the, the scrutiny that everyone gets and all those types of things. It really is an amazing event. It really becomes sort of a must uh, attend event for pretty much anybody associated with the NFL. 
that Sage Rosenfels, part of our uh, Vikings coverage here at Score North. You can also find his work at The Athletic, and I'm sure we'll be checking in again before uh, the Combine is up later this week. Always appreciate it, Sage. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, man. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. We'll hit a quick break, and then uh, Matthew Collar will join us from from Indianapolis. No, no. <laughs> After a long day of trying to get <laughs> planes, trains, and automobiles. Where Ronnie. in the world is Matthew Collar? We'll find out next. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. When did the dunk contest jump the shark? If you actually pulled out a stuffed shark and jumped it to dunk. Oh, yeah, and then ended it. I love that. The dunk contest did jump the shark, but I thought actually, was it last year that I was thoroughly entertained by the dunk contest? Do you guys remember who won it last year? (laughs) (laughs) What else are you going to watch this weekend? The AAF? I'd rather drink. Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North and scorenorth.com. You aren't into Minnesota sports. Talk to the Mitten. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. And this portion of Purple Daily is brought to you by Robert W. Baird and Company. Yeah, one thing uh, is not only has he been a head coach and won Super Bowls, um, but the scheme he, he comes from. And Coming from, you know, Kubiak, Shanahan, that type of scheme. Um, and when he decided to get back into coaching, uh, we were very aggressive to jump on that opportunity. I think he had maybe other options out there, and I don't want to speak for him, but I think the way he feels, you know, with the quarterback we have in place and the quarterback playing in the scheme that we're probably going to evolve to to highlight what Kirk does best. Um, was one of the attractions. That's Vikings GM Rick Spielman. This is Purple Daily on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Just part of a slew of Vikings programming that we have for you here, including Purple Daily, Purple Podcast, Vikings Vent Line, Purple FTW, and uh, you can find it all at scorenorth.com. Wherever you download podcasts, just search Score North Vikings or do the best thing and the easiest thing. Download the Score North mobile app, now available for Android and Apple. And the longer you listen, the better chance you have of getting rewarded with cool, cool stuff like uh, TVs and whatnot. So download the Score North mobile app. Give us a five-star rating and uh, love us, and we will love you back. I'm Rami Makloff. That's Judd Zolgad. Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. And uh, for some reason, sitting in the studio with us, uh, you'll hear him today at 2 o'clock on Score North Live is Matthew Collar. You are supposed to be in Indianapolis, sir. I am. Yes. yes. Um, I, something happened to me that many people can relate to. There were travel-related issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got on a plane last night, headed to Indy. Oh, you actually boarded a plane? I boarded a plane okay. at approximately 8.15 p.m. All right. And I sat on a runway for two hours. Oh. And then we were informed that the cruise time... Uh, was up for how much they could work, and we had to go back to the gate. So we sat at the gate for a long time, waiting for news of a new crew. The new crew never came, and they rescheduled the flight for during my show, which would kind of... Um, <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah, that would uh, defeat the purpose. It's a scheduling conflict yes. is what they call if that in this business. flying to Indy to so, do the show, then we need to be so able here's to do my, the show. Here's my question for you. If the plane, so if, if the crew that had the timed out while on the ground, if the plane had taken off a minute before they timed out, so let, let's say you took off, 
If you're in the air, can you go all the way to Indy, or do they then have to See, land I at a closer assume, airport? I would assume that whatever mathematical equation that they have for how long the crew can work would include flight time. So however long that flight Correct. is. You just need, needed that sucker to take off. Correct. And yes. if the, it had taken off, those people could have been on overtime, and you don't care. And how does the second crew just not show up? Like, did they not know they were working? What? What Was there a scheduling mishap? How does the crew just not show up? The plane was covered in ice, so they had to de-ice the plane. Excuses, excuses. We got to get to the combine. Yes. yes. So, exactly. Uh, <laughs> get the bird in the air. At, at least, Thank you, Rami. At least we have our intrepid reporter, Sage Rosenfeld, yes. there. And uh, during my show, we'll hear his interview with Tom Pelissero. He also talked to the Houston Texans play-by-play guy about Gary Kubiak and uh, various other people. So uh, we'll talk to Sage as well about what he's come up with and Courtney Cronin from ESPN. So there's a lot to do back here in our very toasty studios in Minneapolis. So we, we got Spielman today uh, at the podium for... First, it sounds like, and, and then in a uh, side session with reporters from uh, who cover the Vikings. Your reaction, and I'm not surprised, but your your reaction to the news that Zimmer wasn't truly in the last year of his contract or going into it in 2019. It turns out that there was an option, and so now now this whole thing of oh my gosh, Mike might be a lame duck coach is basically dead, and he has signed for at least another season. I figured all along that one way or another he was going to be under contract through 2020 because it's just so rare that you would ever find a lame duck head coach, and it would turn into a big storyline that even as we started talking about it in the off season, we would always tack on when discussing Mike Zimmer. Well, you know, he's going to be in the last year of his contract. That's been reported. So now to have this, he's not in his last year of the contract. But it doesn't really mean a thing. It just means that he would get paid if he got fired. I mean, I think we all know this, that when you go 8-7-1 and one after going all in on the quarterback and the expectations are sky high, then if the next season you come out and don't live up to those expectations, that's probably it for you in the National Football League because that's just how this thing works. You know what, though? That's a good point. Is is this purely a perception thing? Yes. Because if because if you think about this, if you play this out, and let's say that, that 2019 is the end of his contract, Okay, we care a lot. It's written about a lot. Do players really care? Does anybody really care that much? Is, is there someone who's going to say now? Now, if you're a college coach, I totally get it because you're, you're recruiting players, yep. and right. then kids are like, "Well, you've got no security. Why? Why would I want to go to your school?" But if you're if you're Zim and you're talking to a guy who you who your team would like to sign and you're going to sign him to a four year multi million dollar contract, is that guy going to be like, well, really appreciate the offer, but you're going into last year of your contract and therefore I'm not signing? It says everything that it's a picked up option and not a long term extension. If it was a four year contract extension, then it would make a huge difference. Then it would be okay, no matter what happens with Kirk Cousins, this is our guy and we are sticking with him, thick or thin. A one-year option, that means, buddy, your seat didn't just get any cooler. It is very hot going into this year, especially if you know things go the way that they did. I mean, if there's another offensive coordinator issue like there was last year, I mean, that, whether Mike Zimmer likes it or not, was not a good look for him that two of his offensive coordinators have either left uh, slash got fired. Uh, we still think that. And as long uh, as Norv did not and, get fired, and, and sir. As, <laughs> and as long as Zimmer does not clarify what happened, everyone is going to think that they forced him on his way out. Uh, and then firing Filippo toward the end of the season, that was a big hire that they had pumped up. 
and his defense was good, but not great this year, not number one in the league. So that puts Mike Zimmer under the microscope, and having a 2020 option does not make any difference, I think, to the ownership that has spent money on all sorts of other things. They're a team that's always taken it to the very top of the cap. They're not trying to save cash by making sure they don't have to pay two coaches at once because they fired one. Yeah, it seems like because of the stigma that's been attached to that last year of a coach's contract, For the purposes of job security, the second to last year of a contract is actually the lame duck year. (laughs) If you don't have more than two years (laughs) left on your contract, it's a prove-it season, and your job is on the line. That's right. It's the de facto last last year of your contract anyway, Uh, and it's only to make sure that nobody looks at it as the lame duck coach, because if you go into the locker room on your last year of your deal and they haven't signed you to a long-term extension, then you're going to get, well, hey, look, buddy, you might not be the coach here next year anyway and I don't think that they want any of that with Zimmer as far as what he has done so far I think it tells you something that they have not signed him to a long-term contract extension because as far as his record goes and as far as what this team has been able to do in the Zimmer era considering where they were when he got here they were at the bottom of the league they had the worst defense in the NFL they had no quarterback they were a mess And he's taken them to be a team that we're talking about year in and year out as a potential Super Bowl contender. That should be a big deal. But when you set the expectations high, that's how we judge everything in sports, not what you were in 2013. It's what we expected you to be this year and how that compares. And if he doesn't live up to what we expected out of the Kirk Cousins era, he's going to have to own that. This contract was signed, if I am not mistaken, after the 2015 season, right? Yeah. This came out in training camp of 2016 because that, that's the training camp, I believe, where Zim said, we're not that good. I told the guys, we stink last night. And we're all like, Mike, shut up. But I believe, if I am not mistaken, they announced this contract at that time. The one thing that I will say the Wilfs might have learned a little bit, though, was uh, coming out of 2009, they extended Brad. All, or d- During 2009, Childers got a big extension. And, of course, they fired him in 2010. Yep. So they're... There's that. Now, let's play a fun game, and that's called this. What didn't Rick say today? Because Rick Spielman, when he talks, I am amazed that that he gave uh, the the reporters this bit of Zim news. But more importantly, what didn't Rick say? We still don't exactly have answers on Gary Kubiak (laughs) and whose idea it was to get him here. The Kevin Stefanski. Don't you remember, okay? Yeah, the Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak press (laughs) conference was like, yeah, you know, I just had amnesia that day and forgot how I got here, but here I am and I'm really happy. And the same thing was, well, we're very happy to bring in uh, Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski was the most excited person in the world. He was like a three-year-old on his birthday when we hired Gary Kubiak and everyone's thrilled and it's all great, but we still don't get the exact Was it the front office? Was it Mike Zimmer? Was it Kevin Stefanski? I think we can rule out Kevin Stefanski being the guy who wanted to bring in someone who's going to be over his own head. So was it the front office saying, Zimmer, we're trying to protect you from yourself? Let's go conspiracy theory here. Okay. Let's say this, because I could see this being how it played out. The conspiracy theory being Zimmer went to Spielman and said, I want to hire Hugh Jackson. We're buddies. He might be a disaster as a, a head coach, but he can coordinate. Spielman said, "You can't do it. He's uh, he is he is um, just a complete gong show right now. What about Gary Kubiak, who, by the way, is making I guarantee you a lot of money? Yeah. 
So, so how about that for that? This could be. I could see. Um, I could see a Zimmer Spielman conversation in which everyone agrees it's best, including Mike, if he doesn't have to involve himself in the offense in season. How about that yes, theory? Yes, I think that there's a lot to that theory. That when the initial report came out that the Vikings were considering Hugh Jackson, and then they saw the reaction to that, which I think is natural for the fans to be like, okay, are you kidding me? You're going to bring in the guy who just held back Baker Mayfield and some running back coach who had never called plays before is getting the most out of him? That's not a very good look for Hugh Jackson. And there would be outrage at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, I think, from fans if that was the answer, that everyone wanted the younger guy who's got the new ideas and so forth. That's the hot thing in the NFL right now, so we're going to follow that trend by hiring Stefanski, but also make Zimmer happy by bringing in an OG. But also, there's another part to this, too, that if Zimmer has to fire another one, they have someone to immediately turn it over to, which I don't know is something that they're thinking about necessarily, but you could see it the way that things have gone with the offense and with Mike Zimmer. I mean, how much money are they going to pay Filippo not to coach on this team this year? They've they moved on from North Turner in one way or the other, made it clear that they didn't want him to be the offensive coordinator, that they wanted Pat Shermer. So there's a little bit of he got along with Shermer. So now you're bringing in the sort of zone scheme and, and, and West Coast style offense again, which Zimmer seemed to like and appreciate. So there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of, yes, this guy has had success everywhere he's gone. So it's not a bad thing to have him around. And especially since he does have a pre existing relationship with Kevin Stefanski. But there has to be that little voice in the back of the mind of like, well, if I've got to can this one, I'm, I'm going to be able to turn over play calling duties to one of the best offensive minds ever in Gary Kubiak. And that just tells you how much pressure is on this team. I think Kubiak's presence equals the immense, immense pressure to win for the Minnesota Vikings this season. When Judd said, let's let's play a fun, a fun game, I thought you were going to say uh, a recap of yesterday's all-quarterback draft that, that, that Matthew Collar held on this very show. Uh, Sorry, you said held. Uh, I thought you meant won. Uh, no, actually, oh, uh, you did Manny not win. won, according to uh, Well, sources. let's see. Let's first recap oh, what, gonna, what happened Pat yesterday. Ron, I, won. I, won. Um, I think so, Manny won. You did? I actually agree that Manny won. Yes. I, th- I think he had the best group. I have no problem well, with that. Yeah. The truth. And look at Rami. He's the greatest quarterback of all time and two Heisman Trophy winners. And, yeah, I and won. I mean, getting Kyler Murray, he's got the highest upside guy in the draft. I mean, Mackie's going to run in the impressive. studio in no less than 30 okay, seconds. Okay, so I had the first pick. I had uh, Aaron Rodgers, Philip Rivers, Cam Newton, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, Mitch Trubisky, Jameis Winston, and Josh Allen. Uh, second pick went to Mr. Matthew Collar. He had Mahomes, Goff, Wentz, Lamar Jackson, Bridgewater, Mariota, and Hoyer, uh, third pick was Judd. He had Breeze, Watson, Rosen, Darnold, Foles, Flacco, and Keenum. You actually had both the Broncos quarterbacks on your roster. I have a good room, okay? I think you lose because of that. I have a good, <laughs> I have a good quarterback room. I have veterans and young players. Manny had the fourth pick. He had Brady, Mayfield, Ryan, Murray, Prescott, Carr, and Tannehill. Yeah, he does win. And uh, Phil That's with the fifth pick. Draft. And yeah. Phil, Phil, who had critiques about every pick yeah, that every person had this was his team russell wilson andrew luck ben roethlisberger jimmy garoppolo matt stafford dwayne haskins and andy dalton nice quarterback room 
Yeesh. So uh, our intrepid social intrepid social media guru Seth put up the teams and put up a poll of who had the best all QB draft. Uh, Manny and I both got thirty three percent of the vote. Uh, Matthew got twenty one percent of the vote. Judd got thirteen percent of the vote. We made uh, Phil's team a write in vote. If you want to vote for Phil, it had to be a write in because <laughs> he you was all, so obviously not the all- winner. <laughs> Because you can only have four Ooh. options on Twitter, and we knew not many people would vote for it. So right now, Manny and I in a tie with uh, two hours left in the voting, if you care. I would like to say, I mean, it hurts me that I picked Brian Hoyer, but it was kind of a joke pick. Like, because there, you think the, Keenum wasn't? Because there was the stories <laughs> about Hoyer helping the scout team and helping the Patriots win the Super Bowl, that I decided to pick Hoyer. I think I would pick Drew Locke if I were to go back, and then it looks like I've got some potential there. And with mine... It really depends on how Teddy Bridgewater works out because if Teddy Bridgewater comes back and he's a starter for somebody and he wins a bunch of games, that looks like a great pick. He was my fifth quarterback. How about mine? Nick Foles. Yeah. The Eagles announced today that they're not going to franchise Nick Foles. Nick Foles is going to go get a job. And if he gets the right job, guess what? Well, yours is the ultimate looking down the road. Because if Josh Rosen, let's say they draft Kyler Murray number one and they trade Rosen to the Vikings. To let's say Washington, and he does really well there. Yep. And then you've got a good quarterback. And I think my late pick of Marcus Mariota. People are not super high on Marcus. Mariota, I like Mariota. You took him right before I was going to actually. For that, for where we were in the draft, for a quarterback who has basically been five hundred and over five hundred over his last few years since his bad rookie year, won a playoff game. Like that's not bad for that late. In the draft. I made this point yesterday, and I'll, I'll do it again today. What I have that no other team has, even Manny's, who he drafted a very good team, I have seven guys who, barring injury, are going to be playing and starting 16 games for their NFL franchise this year. Manny's team is very good, but I could very easily see Derek Carr getting benched at some point. And Ryan Tannehill, we don't, we don't even... Mayock, not getting hey, Mike Mayock today said that he still considers him a franchise quarterback. And everything Unless I hear at the Combine... Murray. And everything I hear at the okay. Combine is God's truth, okay? All right. If they and, draft Kyler I want to know who's going to track this. And Ryan Tannehill, we don't even know if he's the starter right now. He's not going to be with the Dolphins. If Kyler, Depending on where Kyler Murray gets... Drafted, he's probably going to play. Yeah, and there's a pretty, drafted, pretty good like, chance it's at the very top. Oh, I didn't if say he, anything about Kyler Murray. I was just talking about Kyler. Except don't don't forget what Sage told us on the show yesterday, hmm. which I didn't know. Kyler Murray, small hands. That's right. Small hands, big deal. Mm-hmm. Just ask Dante Culpepper fans. Small hands, lots of fumbles, lots of problems, and smells like cabbage. That. That's right. I did want to bring up the something that Sage pointed out that would be a concern about the weight. A, like Kyler Murray yeah, he said he's not that. might only weigh like 200 pounds. Yep. Kirk Cousins has been one of the most durable quarterbacks in the NFL. The guy is 6'3 and probably weighs 200. So I don't think that weight necessarily determines. And how about Carson Wentz? That guy is a fullback or a linebacker. He gets hurt all the time. I think yeah. Sage was trying to d- dissuade us from the Murray-Wilson comparisons. Okay, yeah, he, no, no. he brought up Wilson I, yeah. as a stout built yes, guy. That there is and a so, difference. And yes. so I think, I think Sage is saying stop with, with the comparisons. Between those two players. So yeah. in summation, I won the quarterback draft. and No, I think man, Congratulations to me. Rami, you took Trubisky. I, I know. More, he's going to play 16 games. I am more than willing. That doesn't mean he's going to play well. To wait. You until had a quarterback with racist tweets. <laughs> you lose. <laughs> I don't have Ben Roethlisberger, though. Until we find out what that he did is far worse than racist until tweets. Until we find out that someone's actually going to track this thing. Nobody wins. When I you find out who's going to track it, then then we can decide. I, I say we keep it simple. At the end of the season, we add up the quarterback ratings of our roster. High score wins.
or we could do it by like uh, PFF grades. Okay. Those are better like than that. quarterback. Right. Or QBR. As, as we saw from the uh, Vikings quarterback, sometimes you have a good rating and didn't play that I'm long. good with that. So at the end of the regular season, we add up their PFF ratings Perfect. and name a winner. What about QBR? Come but on, that's as, a great stat. As far as the people the people have spoken, and Manny and I are the smartest people on the staff. Uh, it's Purple can, Daily. Can I just add one more thing <laughs> sure, before yeah. we uh, is, take a break? This is so pathetic <laughs> right now. The uh, Another note that came out is that Nick Easton looks like he's going to be healthy for this year. And Hmm. that could be a cheap option for the Vikings to bring back on their offensive line because probably no other team is going to give him a whole lot when he's coming back from a bulging disc. Very important. You said it. That's ISC. Matthew Collar. He'll be on today at 2 o'clock. Sage Rosenfels will join him from the Combine, including interviews with Tom Pelissero, the Texans GM, Courtney Cronin of ESPN.com will join him. He'll have the Combine covered up and down starting at 2 o'clock here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. One more segment of Purple Daily right after this. It's touch them all. The thing I keep hearing about Miguel Sano is he gets it when it comes to conditioning and nutrition. Do you believe that he gets it there? It would be great for the twins if that's the case. But I think you're kind of just rooting for that. Look, it's possible that Sano has sort of had this light bulb moment, but we just can't know for certain until months later, maybe years later, in fact. I'm just a little bit skeptical right now after the number of times I've heard that. Touch them all. Touch them all. Here, score north. ScoreNorth.com. Stand back. We don't know how big this is going to get. ScoreNorth.com. You know, I, I think, you know, Kirk's, because of the, the position and the contract, is going to get, get a lot of blame, but the blame has to be spread throughout. You know, our, our season was good enough for our standards last year. But statistically, if you look at what Kirk did, I mean, he threw for over 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, but we didn't win enough games. So I think... Going back to an offense that may he is very familiar with and working under that Shanahan Kubiak tree and really him playing better, but everybody has to play better. We all have to do better at our jobs. Purple Daily, TCL Broadcast Studios. Rami, does anybody use more words and say less than Rick Spielman. <laughs> like, listen, go back and listen to that, and he basically just talked himself into circles of, we have to do better, but Cousins played well, but we have to do our jobs, but if we're not doing our jobs, we're not as good as we can be. By the time he's done, you forgot what your question was. That wasn't even the whole clip. I actually had to stop. It it? About, there was about another 18 <laughs> seconds left oh, in that clip. And I just stopped. Yeah. Really? There was like another 18 seconds I, left in that. I yeah. think the goal when the report reporter asks a question is to talk yourself into such a pretzel that the reporter doesn't remember if he if he or she asked about cousins about your <laughs> about your entire team i was just gonna say i i come from i come from wisconsin we're covering ted thompson yes. he said very little but used very little words to do that it wasn't the rick spielman syndrome where he would use a lot of words to say very little but brewers gm doug melvin Great dude and as honest as you're going to get a GM to be. But whenever we had him on our show and we picked up on this very quickly, his method was I'm going to I'm going to answer questions as long winded as I possibly can. And therefore, you can only ask so many questions. So if if you only have 15 minutes with him, you're only going to get four questions asked to Doug Melvin. And (laughs) and (laughs) because every answer is going to be four plus minutes and a thorough, a thorough explanation of what he's saying. And like I said, he's going to be as honest as a GM can be, but just 
ramble on and on and on and on to give you as few opportunities as possible to ask your questions and dig to the point you're trying to dig to. And then, of course, Judd, we had Favre, who would basically, you ask him one question, and then right. he would proceed to but he would ask, tell him, you, ask himself yeah, but about he would seven tell more you questions. Stuff. He like would he conduct would, the press conference himself. Right, yes. but yeah. he, he, he would go down a laundry list of things and start telling you things that, that you hadn't asked that the team didn't want out. <laughs> to Rami's point, what guys like Melvin and Spielman do, too, is they, they will occasionally give a really long answer, and you're thinking to yourself as you're hearing it, oh, this is interesting, this is intriguing. But then go back and listen again, and you're like, "Oh my God, that I guy said here. that guy said nothing." <laughs> but the but the real talented gift is is to have the ability to give that extended answer and to make the listener believe that you are spilling the beans, right? Until you go back and you listen and you realize that it's just all circular, like it's just all gone around in a huge circle, and that they have told you nothing. So that's that's why the Rick Spielman game is what didn't Rick say, as opposed to what did Rick say. Well, you remember the week leading up to the Patriots game with the Vikings, we played the Belichick stuff, and Belichick had the long-winded thing about talking about Kyle Rudolph, about just listing off all the things that he loves that that Kyle Rudolph does really well, and then you think. He doesn't mention Kyle Rudolph by name at all. And then you're like, you could probably insert this and have him say this about any tight end in the NFL. And it would be the exact same carbon copy response on, hey, Bill, what do you think of this guy who lines up at tight end for them? Welcome to National Football League. (laughs) That is the National Football League handbook on how to answer questions. But players will speak up every once in a while, and uh, Latavius Murray has done so. He'll hit hit free agency, Judd. And uh, last week, we we continued our position-by-position breakdown while you were in New York. And Manny and I on, was it Fridays? Fridays? No, Fridays. Thursdays, I don't know. I think one, it might have been Thursdays. One day last week, we did running backs. And um, you can hear it all at scorenorth.com or just search Score North Vikings wherever you download podcasts, and you'll find the day. Um, but I, I, I said to Manny, the tricky thing about the, the running back position with the Vikings and, and who the backup is going to be is do you want a guy who compliments Dalvin Cook and is sort of the the thunder to his lightning, or do you want a guy who emulates Dalvin Cook because of the injury problems that he had, so you don't have to change the offense when it seems inevitable that that he's going to miss some games this year? Well, Latavius Murray wants to play. He said, I want everybody to know, make no mistake about it, I want to play. In Courtney Cronin's article today at ESPN.com, I want to start. I'm not content with being in a backup role, but I want to compete, and Dalvin knows that. We push each other. That's what it about but i would love to be back here for that opportunity to compete with and against him that's the only way you get better do you want latavius murray back and do you want him back if he wants to compete for the starting job well sure yeah at the the, uh, right price too but i would ask this question in uh, 2019 what does playing mean at that position because there's x amount of carries they're going to be split now Mm -hmm. the the day of the i'm the running back on this damn team and i'm gonna get all of the carries and yeah and my backup might play but he's not gonna play much because that's at that position that's gone so i think murray it sounds to me like the quote you just read is the is the prudent answer and the smart one, because then the fans say, oh, competitor. And he's putting out the right message. But I think if he can return, he, he will. Because, as you said, one, Cook's been, been hurt before, so there's a history of that. But two is no one's going to just step in and play constantly. 
at that position, carries are carries are now split and carries are contained. And and at that position to extend your career, you don't want to be considered, I don't think, the workhorse guy. So the answer that he gave that you read is, is more in my mind, politically driven of the right thing to say as opposed to the realistic thing to say. What would you say to Latavius Murray if you were trying to bring him back and he said, I want to compete for a starting job? I would say, go for it. You can compete. You're not going to win it. That's fine. <laughs> but, you can, but, but, I, but I would go back to what's a starting job. You're going no. to play. You're going to get chances. So, so essentially, the running back position to me has become the bullpen of baseball. Right, you're all going to get your chances, but mm-hmm. this whole thing of I'm the workhorse and I'm going that's gone, that's gone, and you don't even want that. It's it your career will will flame out quickly if that's the case. So I would say come back, come into training camp. You you can compete. You're I think a good locker room guy. You'll certainly get your chances, and if Cook gets hurt, which could happen, you'll play for sure. Um, but this whole notion of I'm the starter is gone. Well, because the whole thing with the starter anyway, it's like. What, but what, what is the what, starter? What, yeah, now? what does it mean? Like you get the first carry? Yeah. You get the first handoff and Dalvin Cook gets the third? Yeah, who cares? Like, what, like, like at that point, what difference does it make? I think if it's more about how the, the touches are distributed between sure. two guys. If, Mur- if Murray thinks he's going to get paid top of the line money at that position, I think he's grossly mistaken. Like, if that's the notion of, I want to be the guy so I, I can get paid like the guy, I think he's wrong. He's not going to. I think he's going to get compensated very fairly. But I don't I don't look at him and say, got to have him. In the article by yeah. Courtney Cronin, and I don't, we're running out of time, so I don't have, I don't have time to scroll and, and search for the number, but Spotrack had his projected value at less than, less than $2 million. So you could probably get him back at, at a relative bargain at a pretty good value. But again, and... I don't know if we have time for you to answer the question, Judd, but would you rather have a running back who compliments Dalvin Cook or a guy who emulates Dalvin Cook that you can throw in there when he gets injured? Probably compliments. Yeah. Probably compliments. Because he, he can still catch. He Murray's skill set isn't that far off. So I would say I would prefer him back because he will he'll be be here. But you know what? If he wants top of the line cash. Go get some. Go outside. That's Judd Zolgad. You heard Matthew Collar uh, tell you much more Vikings programming coming up at two o'clock after uh, Touch a Mall coming up here at one. He'll have Hate Sage Rosenfels from the Combine. He'll have Courtney Cronin. Meanwhile, for Manny Judd, I'm Rami. This has been Purple Daily on Score North on fifteen hundred and ScoreNorth.com. We'll talk to you next time. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. 
And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. And don't forget, Bet Online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts.